So again, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing one of these coaching episodes. So I've got a guy named Dave Wakeling uh, and also uh, his manager, his general manager, uh, Rachel Bonham. Uh, they run a place called Collies. So Dave owns a place called Collies out in Park City, Utah. Uh, Rachel's the manager. David just moved from Park City to England. And uh, the thing that we're coaching on today is how uh, how they can put structure and systems in place so that uh, leadership can continue to run what is a very profitable restaurant even while Dave is not there. Uh, we come across a lot of really great insights. I promise you, they get value from this and you will get value as well. They ask a lot of the same questions I know many of you guys have. Don't go anywhere. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated solely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. We cover marketing, operations, and everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20-plus years in the industry to help you build that more profitable and more sustainable business. I also work directly with owners and operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. What are the three Ps? They stand for Profit, Process, and Progress. If you've got a busy restaurant but struggle to generate consistent, predictable 20% profits, then please set up a free 30-minute strategy session. I'll get to learn more about you and your restaurant. You'll get to ask more questions about the program, uh, learn more about the program, ultimately to see if you're a good fit for the program. There's no pressure. Just set up that call. We'll have a great conversation. To get started, visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you'll find that link in the show notes. Now, we all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now, but between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin, it, Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses data from your POS and invoices to show you your food and labor costs in real time. Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you tools to make decisions in the moment, like a daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Learn more at marginedge.com slash chip. And yes, that link is also in the show notes. So I've got two guests on the show today, and again, today's format is a little bit different. We've been doing uh, more and more of these episodes because I like the format so much, uh, but this is going to be a coaching session in real time that was recorded uh, for your guys' benefit because uh, hopefully you will get something out of this just by listening to uh, a couple of operators work through the issues. So I've got a couple of guests today. Uh, David Wakeling is the owner of two restaurants, uh, it's uh, Collie's and The Notch. And we've got his general manager at Collie's, uh, Rachel Bonham. Uh, thrilled to have you guys here. Um, to get started, why don't you introduce yourselves? You want to take it? Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my name is Rachel. Um, I've been working for David at Collie's Sports Bar and Grill for, uh, gosh, this is my ninth full winter. So it's been about nine years working for him. Um, started as a baby little server and just kind of climbed up the ladder, and, and now I manage. So that's me. 
It's it's good. And David, uh, David Wakeling, as you said, uh, opened Collies just uh, about ten years ago. The Knot five years ago, uh, and I'm currently trying to move to England. <laughs> hence this coaching. <laughs> Great. Great. So that's one of the things. So we uh, we had a sort of a discovery call a few weeks ago where I got to hear what was going on and we sort of mapped out what we would be talking about here. But I don't know the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts. So I'm sort of learning it in real time uh, as all of you listeners are doing it. So, David, what brings you to uh, what brings you to England? Uh, that's mostly family. Uh, my dad's side's all from here. So I figured time to spend some years over on this side of the pond. And there's no snow. That's a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> we should say Collies and uh, The Notch are both in Park City, and so uh, a lovely place to enjoy the snow, but uh, if, you're, if you're ready for a change from snow. So talk to me, uh, so paint a picture for, um, uh, for the listeners. Uh, David, you, so you open up Collies 10 years ago. Talk about what Collies is, what, um, what's burned you to, to open it. Um, so... Uh, it is a sports bar, a very a decent size one, 25 TVs, every channel from DirecTV and Comcast. Uh, so you guys, you can imagine we've got lots of remotes, lots of wall space. Um, right. Started it because I wanted a change uh, of just instead of managing, I was offered an opportunity to own. And I took 50% of this business uh, with my dad was actually a silent partner. Well, not so silent anymore, but <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, so we bought this restaurant in 2013, and it was not an instant success, but after two or three years, it started getting really busy, and then after about four years, it really took off, and uh, five years in, I opened up another restaurant, so... And then can work so, it. talk to me about then what that restaurant is. The Notch. Um, similar to Collie's, it's still a sports bar, uh, but it's a little further out in the woods, and it's more of a neighborhood watering hole. So, only five TVs or six, and just yep. a nice local crowd and nice woodsy. If you're going for a hike, you can see the little log cabin in the woods and have a nice lunch. Yeah, kind of, kind of the last yeah, stop sure. in or out of the national forest that's up there. So, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it, listen, it's yeah. beautiful out there in Utah. So then, Rachel, so then talk to me, because you made the joke. You said you've been there for nine years. You started as a server and just never <laughs> left. You just kept moving up. Talk to me Talk to me about that. Talk to me about your journey, I think, the, for the listeners. That it would be helpful to sort of give context. I, so I, I came to Park City um, a little over nine years ago um, just as a seasonal ski bum. And I was looking for a part-time extra money serving job. And... Uh, pretty much got hired on the spot because uh, my resume was uh, pretty interesting being a raft guide in the summers and ski bum in the winters. Um, and I did go back home um, in Tennessee. I actually went back a couple uh, summers. Um, so I worked just winters for the first couple years and then um, came uh -huh. back full time. And, and Dave actually kind of got me... Um, to quit the resort job and, and teaching and, and lift ops to work for him full time. Well, she um, complained about it every day. I did <laughs> complain about it. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you know, no public heat towards Vale. I just, you know, they don't, they didn't pay a lot back then. So, um, yeah. so I ended up going full time with Dave and then, you know, I kept bothering him about bartending and I begged him to let me bartend. And then, 
as we got busier and busier, I kind of just, I feel like I kind of just stepped into more of the management role and was just like, Hey, I can help you with these things. And, um, kind of started out as like a shift lead or floor manager, I guess would be probably be the best, um, way to describe how I kind of just stepped into that role. And then I kind of just kept asking for more, um, just kept kind of demanding some more (laughs) and, uh, eventually just kind of at the end of the day kind of ended up taking over, um, just by asking for more and getting trusted more and given more. And so, it was a interesting journey, yeah. but I kind of just kept demanding more from Dave and he was willing to yeah. give it to yeah, me. Yeah. No. So. And in so many ways, that's not unique. The trajectory mm-hmm. you just described, I think, will sound very familiar to a lot of people. It certainly sounds familiar to me as I think about my own trajectory through my first 10 mm-hmm. or 12 years in the industry. That was sort of what happened. So the interesting thing about these two restaurants, so Dave, they're profitable. Yeah. They're sort of doing their own thing. Um, you're going to go leave, be closer to family uh, across the Atlantic. Um, But one of the things we talked about is that you want to make sure that obviously business doesn't dip. It still maintains uh, the level. It's still profitable and and all of that. So talk to me about sort of what's the struggle now or what's what's the thing you're most concerned about at this point in the lives of these restaurants and in your sort of ownership? I think right now, especially since I've been gone, the last few years, I've taken about half half year off um, to go sailing. So yep. I've been used to being gone, but this time I'm. Then I was gone and unreachable. I was on a boat in the middle of an ocean. Tough life. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't reaching me. Now <laughs> I'm very reachable. I'm a little, obviously I'm about seven hours ahead, um, but I have access to internet every day. I can call people every day. And now I'm just trying to, at the same time of letting everybody do what they want to a point, and then also trying to keep myself involved because it, it, at the end of the day, it's still my restaurant and I still want to feel feel yep. involved without, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, oh, you guys did all that. Okay. I guess I did. You didn't need me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Rachel, talk to me about how this has sort of, because uh, you sort of shared some concerns with me when we last spoke. So talk to me about where you're at with this whole thing. What do you need? What do you don't need? What do you feel good about? Where, where is some room for growth? And what are your sort of concerns about, um, I think about Dave <laughs> being away? You know, it, it is nice now that he is um, a little bit more easily accessible. I mean, the time difference can sometimes be a little hard. Um, but yeah. I think him being accessible, I know if I text him at nine o'clock at night, my time, I'll get a text pretty quickly in the morning the next day and have an answer about something. Um, but, I, but I am, I think that, I think what we are going to need is more like scheduled connect connectivity time to like go over numbers and actually, um, and I think and this is going to pull from one of your recent podcasts about building better managers. Um, and yep. I, I listened to that recently and was thinking, you know, I, I, I don't want to be an overseer. Um, and I, I want to be more involved in the numbers and I've been reaching out to him more and asking more questions. And I think I'm just, I want to be more involved in figuring out the numbers so that I can, I can play the better manager role instead of just babysitting yeah. like your podcast said. So, yeah. So Dave, so talk to me about how you think about, 
profitability or how you have thought about it or currently think about it. How do you, I mean, because for a long time you were an owner operator, even if then you sort of stepped out of the operator role, obviously you, you have a certain thought about it because you need it to be profitable because I assume it's, it's shedding some uh, income so that you can live on and go do fabulous things like sit on a boat. <laughs> sailing around the world, which is all great. That's, that's what we want for everybody. We want for everybody to have a business that generates you know, money for them so that they can go live their lives. So talk to me about how you think about it. Um, so I guess my viewpoint has changed a little bit. So I would have said that sitting on a boat was great as long as all I needed was a little bit of money. Uh, now I'm looking more... No, I, just, I did that for a few years, so I'm good for a while. So now I'm looking more expansion. Yeah. Uh, over on this side of the pond, opening up restaurants here. Okay. Um, and then also, I would have probably my team over there come over here once in a while. Uh, I know they want to come over here and have, see what it's all about. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so, what do you need in order to accomplish that goal of opening places uh, over there? That would be the profitability of these restaurants staying that way, uh, not seeing a dip. Uh, I know I'm going to see a little dip in profits in general because I'm paying more money to my management staff since I'm not yep. there, uh, which is fine. But I just kind of need it so that I'm comfortable. Like, all right, I've seen a few years of this running. I know I'm going to make exactly this much. Now I can invest that into another restaurant. And do you feel like... So before you left, do you feel like you had it in that place? Because I always talk about consistent, predictable profit. Like... Whatever that number is, it needs to be automatic. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you feel like it, it was in that place? So it was. Already? It yeah, it was. And we had just kept growing every year. So I'd seen my profit margins mm -hmm. go up every year. This year is probably the first year I'm going to see not a dip, but a flat from the previous years. And I need to figure out if that was a post-COVID bang, and now we're going to flatten out. Or if it's, yep. am I paying labor to a point that since I'm not there overseeing labor every single day that uh, yeah that I'm away and need it to be okay labor was here now now it's right. too far but. well you had to replace yourself hey this is everything I do I log X number of hours I need to do the following duties when you pull yourself out you need someone else to right. log a certain yeah. amount of hours and do a certain amount of yeah. duties so it's something as simple as that is that what it is, or you're just not yeah, sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is. And then just giving these guys more responsibility. Like Rachel said, she's out of out of the managers there. She's been the one that demands more. Not, I'm not giving it to her. She's asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> she's literally, I think yesterday she texted well, me. She's like, is this the labor percentage we're supposed to be at? And I'm like, actually, yeah, that's pretty good for that day. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying yeah. to be very proactive about... about looking at the numbers and getting there um i think yep. to touch on like dave's worry about you know is is it a post covid everybody was so excited that covid was kind of let up a little bit and then we flattened out it's also trying to get um the kitchen manager for instance to you know he i'm trying to teach him how to look at his own labor costs now too um so we we actually just got onto seven shifts and so that's been super yeah, cool love it. um and I, I i i do demand more from david but it, it's i think i'm also worried about trying to keep the kitchen um they kind of they're kind of their own little unit i guess um, we have a kitchen manager who, who yep. does his schedule for that and sometimes i'm just worried yep. that 
he takes his salary and he schedules a bunch of people and he comes in when he needs to, but it's kind of like the labor costs could drop down a little if we could just figure out a way to get him to be there more often. Um, yeah. And so that's yeah. just, that's a concern for so me too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because this is, uh, I hear this a lot. This is a lot of what we work with in the mastermind that I run because it's, hey, we're doing a lot of revenue. We're not dropping a consistent amount or enough to the bottom line. How do we do that? This is largely what we what we deal with in the in the mastermind. So my question would be, how are you thinking about future business? Meaning, are you forecasting, are you building projections? How are you thinking about um, budgeting, um, giving each of the departments budget? Uh, so, so talk to those two things. Um, I, forecasting is basically taking what, for me, it's pretty simple. It's taking what I did the year before and adding five or 10%. That's been a model I've used okay. for the last 10 years and that's been working. I don't think it's gonna work in the next few okay. years. So I kind of need to reimagine that. As for budgeting, I use a pretty simple model of just keeping to your 30, 30, 30, uh, everything. And we're usually under yep. that anyways. But yeah, like Rachel said, the kitchen's kind of one of the big things because when I was there and I went, I needed the kitchen to cut labor, I was, I'd just go in and be, and tell Rogelio, hey, you need to take labor down. Or I would just go in there and be like, look, here's your schedule and I cross people off. Yeah. Because they don't yeah. need that. But he, unfortunately, he's been with me just as long as these guys. So yep. they send a butt hit. Like, he doesn't quite respect yep. their authority yet. <laughs> So, so then here, let me let me sort of step in, and this will yeah. be my sort of my first piece of advice. Because Dave, I think one of the big things that we have to sort out here on this call is what's the best way to utilize you. And I think what I want to be able to do is give you a couple simple tasks. It's funny because I was just dealing with this with a client in South Carolina, and one of the things that I told, um, basically, we we're just carving out a new role, like a director of operations. He he's going to oversee all. Uh, five, soon to be seven different restaurant units. And I said, I don't, right now you are the fire putter out. Yeah. Everybody calls him to sort of whack-a-mole, to just put out the fire. And if we keep, and he does that very, very well. And he's used to doing that. And now we have to transition him. That's part of the coaching I'm doing with him, transitioning him to somewhere else. And so I said, I want you to be always giving people things to do so they don't have time to ask you to do stuff. Uh, which sounds Which sounds a little bit weird. Yeah. So... Uh, but I think it's absolutely true, and so Dave and I, and I get the sense that you're you're pretty laid back owner. I'm, I'm getting that sense of, of of who you are, but I think being a little bit more direct in a couple of key areas will probably help Rachel, and ultimately will help your your kitchen staff as well, the whole culinary okay. team. So, if we're talking about your labor hours, here's an easy thing. No schedule should ever be posted that's over budget. So especially when you're using software like Seven Shifts, which is excellent. It's, it's I mean, top of the industry. Oh, yeah, I love it. They can build the schedule. Yeah, I mean, they can build the schedule, and they should. Here's an easy example. Schedule gets posted on Thursday. I need your schedule done on Tuesday and submit it to me. Even if it's just something as simple as sending an email, say, Dave, schedule's ready for review. And that's one key piece of oversight, Dave, that you have. This is how a CEO manages 400 units of Outback. This is how a regional manager manages 50 units of Red Robin, yeah. right? 
they're not in there every single time, but they're looking at key benchmarks and key numbers. So your inventory, your pars, your, you know, your ordering levels, you're looking at your cogs sort of on a weekly basis. And then on labor, here's the other big piece, and especially as you're saying it, no, no schedule should get posted. No schedule should be live unless it's under budget. Because what you can't do, and like you said, like, oh, you're really good about coming in and saying, get yeah. rid of that person, get rid of that person, cut this, we got to. So part of the question is, how do you teach them to do that without you? It's hard, and, and, and I don't think you should ever try to teach them. And it's also not a really um, sound management principle yeah. <laughs> to just sort of like cut hours in real time. And, and we talk about it all the time. And so what I say is that you're never going to cut hours. You're going to shave a couple of dollars here yeah. and there, but you're never going to get to your max profitability. If you want labor at, let's say, 30, right? You're never going to get from 35 to 30 by like trimming hours and, and sending people mm -hmm. home. 30% happens on the schedule. So you got to make sure it's 29% on the schedule. And then so you got a little bit of room in case somebody goes into overtime yeah. or this and that. And then you manage, oh, somebody called out sick for the dinner shift, so the lunch guy's got to stay on. That means he's six hours into overtime. Well, then you got six hours that you can quote unquote shave off. That's where you come in and say, I need you to cut two labor hours. I need you to cut four labor hours tonight. I need you to cut, I need you to send this guy home. Or maybe front of house can sort of pick up the pick up the pieces here. Maybe we send the host home and just have the manager at the front because that's an expensive uh, position typically mm -hmm. in a restaurant. That's how we can shave if we go a little bit over, oops, we're over budget within the week. But it's gotta be under budget on the schedule. Does that make yeah, sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So that's a key thing where nothing gets posted without your approval. And mm -hmm. that's for Rachel too. Yeah. Rachel, you gotta submit your front of house schedule for next week by Tuesday, he's got 24 hours to give you approval by Wednesday, and then so you gotta get it posted by Thursday, let's say at latest, whatever those hours are, whatever those days are okay. a week, you, you just sort of put it in there. But you gotta have some time to overlook. You're not gonna be able to just get the email and just look at it right away. You gotta give yourself a 24-hour cushion, especially given, let's say, the time change mm -hmm. that you're dealing with now. Um, and then if there's any questions, if there's any suggestions, you give yourself room to do that. Uh, but especially with labor, that's a that's a really so the two biggest variables mm -hmm. we deal with are labor and cogs, and so labor, especially back of the house labor, that's an easy thing. Well, right and now then, we're also in our slow season, sort of, and I was talking to Dave about this. Was yeah. how do we? It's it's a very delicate balance of trying to retain the yeah. employees that we have right now while we're in between ski season and summer. So, and this is a and this is a consideration mm -hmm. for sure that maybe in the season, you're hitting 27% labor, and maybe in the shoulder season, mud season, <laughs> mud as y'all call yeah. it, maybe you're hitting a 33, 34, 35. So there's a little bit of cushion. You know, Dave, you're gonna take a hit on profitability yeah. in the shoulder season, but you know in high season, in the winter and the summer, you're gonna do, um, you're gonna do really great. Yeah. You, you know you can hit above where you need, need to be. Over the year, then, that's how you get to your 20% profitability. But you know it's maybe, you know, 14 15% for part of the year and 23 24 25 for part of the year. And it all, it all comes out in the center. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah, we run, like, high season. I mean, we do pretty good numbers, and we hit about 26 in the kitchen. Amazing. So, but, yeah, Across definitely, the board, definitely hitting yeah. 35 in the off-season sometimes. Yeah. And so... Let's look at it, and here's the other thing, Dave. This is where, 
and you're dealing with Rachel. I mean, you sort of said it. She said it. She's always looking for more, for more, for more. One of the biggest things you can do for your managers is educate them and empower them. I talk about this in the podcast all the time. The name of the game is education and empowerment. The thing that I didn't realize, I, I thought I hated management. And then I was shown how to manage. I was like, oh, this is fun. Um, when you're taught actually what profitability is and how to get there, when you say to somebody who works for you, this is what I need you to do, and I empower you to make the, the difficult decisions to get it done, I sort of don't need to see that. I, I don't need to be a part of that. And Dave, that's, that's sort of your role right now. You can't be there every single day. So sort of give that to Rachel and let her, let her run with it. And then basically what you're saying is that, hey, I'm gonna teach you everything you need to do to succeed. I'm gonna empower you to make the decisions you need to make in order to do that. And I'm here to support you if you have any questions, concerns, if you can't get there. Yep. That's how you ultimately create um, a culture of ownership and buy-in, not just for Rachel, but ultimately I think for your kitchen team as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, that. I love Does that, that make yeah. sense? I, I definitely have been pushing for more, uh, for him to, to show me more and teach me more, so. Yeah, yeah I, she, I mean, she's the one that pushed me to bring her to the expo and check it out and obviously that's where we found you and we found many other things to keep us busy for a few years yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so dave's talking about bar, bar and restaurant expo in las vegas which i did a couple of episodes about uh, i met a lot of great people through my speaker sessions um dave and rachel are just uh, two of them and so we, we sort of mapped out this um this episode this coaching but that's how you start giving structure dave to your absence this is how you can be an owner from afar because actually this is sort of the most important piece of what you do and giving vision, setting uh, revenue targets, mm -hmm. right? So by setting revenue targets for your team, and again, you sort of do the same thing. Rachel, this is what revenue I need you to hit. I, I, sort, of, I sort of leave it to you to be creative, think outside the box, make decisions that will get us to this revenue number, but ultimately that's your revenue number. You're gonna build your budgets off of that projection. And then this is what, where, I mean, and then it's very easy. Um, because it's all in black and white. It's unemotional. That's what you need them to hit. That's what they're going to hit. Mm -hmm. And then they can manage in real time. And you put little safeguards, little little places in there. I, I always call them like little speed bumps, right? So that they can't go too fast. Yeah. And that's where that's how you over that's how you give oversight to that. And, and ultimately, then you'll be um, you'll have control over the big big decisions. You'll make sure that they're doing. It. And eventually. Eventually, Rachel's going to get to the point, right, where she's going to be your partner in another property because she's going to she's going to outgrow yeah, this role. Sure. For example, this is every great manager. She's going to outgrow your role. She's going to say, "Hey, there's a really great opportunity. I want to partner with you on it. I want to be a partner in that." Like, because yeah. now she's going to be at a certain point. She's going to be ready for yeah, that's, that. That's how I she's lost gonna my watch you manager. make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, today's episode of Restaurant Strategy is also brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. Great restaurants are built by great teams, and Seven Shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, to hit labor targets, and to keep your entire team connected. With drag-and-drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, tip management, and more, it makes restaurant work a lot easier. From back of house to front of house, managers, franchise owners, and even larger corporate teams, Seven Shifts has benefits at every 
every single level. Plus, it integrates with the other systems your restaurant already uses, like POS and payroll. Turn your team into your competitive advantage. Restaurant Strategy Podcast listeners get three months absolutely free. Get started by visiting 7shifts.com slash restaurant strategy. That's the number 7, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash restaurant strategy to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using 7 Shifts today. And it's a, you know, and it ends up being a, a backhanded compliment, but the very best managers will move on or grow or continue to partner with you in a way that's really meaningful. But ultimately, you're gonna, you're gonna show her how to be a really great boss, how to provide just enough oversight and support for her to succeed. She's gonna then do the same thing with the team that she oversees, her floor managers, her line level, you know, servers, bartenders, all of that. Um, that's how we, I'm coaching you guys. You guys are learning it. You guys, you're, Dave, you're going to coach her. She's going to coach the managers. They're going to coach the line level employees. Same thing with the kitchen manager as well. You're going to show them, you're going to give them just enough room to be creative, but you're going to be set really clearly defined boundaries. The boundaries are the revenue. Yeah. The boundaries are the numbers you need to hit in order to, to maintain a profitable business. Um, and when you do that, you're actually showing her not enough managers. I mean, Rachel, you brought up this episode I did a, a little while ago uh, about having managers, not overseers, because <laughs> I think we uh, we have a lot of overseers, um, certainly in this country, and not enough managers um, because they just simply don't know. They're not taught. And so it's one of my goals on this podcast is to teach. And one of my real goals in coaching is to help coach you, Dave, how to be a better hands-off owner and give the just enough support so that they feel like they can't fail. Like they, they, there's nothing they can do but succeed because you're giving them all the parameters to do so. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just a quick question. What do you think about, so like we were saying, so she is seven hours behind. I know things will come up. You know, if it's 5 p.m. her time, I'm probably in bed and something random comes up. What do you think about spending limits when it comes to, are the refrigerator just went out? Do we buy a new one? Do we get a repair? What do we need? And the repairman says, well, it's going to cost you $2,000, or if you go out and get a new one, it's 4000 Make that decision. <laughs> I'm going to – I think it's a great question, and I love that we're having this conversation. This is like advanced – like this is now advanced stuff, which is great. Um, and not enough managers are ever given the, uh, the authority for this. So I'm going to turn around and ask you the exact same question you asked me. What, what do you think is that threshold? Uh, if I had to throw a number out there, I probably would have said 2000. <laughs> so if she can solve a problem for under $2,000, solve do it. it. Yeah. And if it's anything more than that, we got to have a powwow yeah. about it. Here's the thing. If that's what your gut tells you, then that's the number you use for now. Yeah. And work off and see what happens. Right. This is. That's what you, so this is, um, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote about this in his book, what, 15 years ago. When he opened his first business, it was a, it was a direct to mail, like vitamin and supplement business. And he was involved way too much. And he had all these customer service people and they were calling him all the time and emailing him all the time. And one of the best pieces of advice he ever got from one of his mentors was just saying, like, you fig figure out the threshold. If they can solve it for under a dollar amount, just have them solve it. You're going to empower them, give them ownership of it. And he talks in that book about how he started off at 50. Mm -hmm. And by the time he uh, sold the company, it was like 
2000 yeah. or 2500 He's like, I was so afraid to spend $100. And what I realized is that there's so much that they could do and actually be better customer service people um, if I just let them do it in real time on the phone while dealing with an irate, uh, with an irate customer. So if 2000 is your number, go with 2000 And I would put a, you know, say 90 days from mm-hmm. now. Revisit it. Sort of revisit it and and actually like be deliberate about revisiting it so like sit there and say okay what were all the decisions that rachel made you know do we believe that what were the decisions that you hadn't given her authority to Mm -hmm. make i'm sure she's going to come forward with recommendations so that that refrigerator conversation right two thousand dollars to fix it four thousand dollars to buy a new one she's going to save that conversation now till the next day she's going to get in touch and she's going to say this is the thing. I think we should do this. I, I, I'm sure she's going to have an opinion about it. I usually it. do. And <laughs> I, really great, really great managers usually do. And you'll revisit those decisions in a deliberate way 90 days down the line and say, how often did Rachel make decisions that I ended up making myself 12 hours later? Right. And do we up that threshold to three or four or 5,000? You know, and then my other question would be, why did you arrive at that number? Um, and you don't have to answer that now, but I would sort of, this is sort of a, in your own sort of mind. What about that number was important and and why and why not higher? So those are all questions. Those are all questions in sure. there. I would say to the other end, I would say make sure that's in your budget. Make sure there's um, there's like a maintenance fee that rolls over. Sure, yeah. and, and I really do think this is important. Like if it's a $2,000 fee every month yeah, you know, in the budget, yeah. And if we don't use it, it just rolls over until it hits $10,000, let's yep. say. Here's another way of doing it, is you can say, you can tap into whatever that number okay. is. So if that number's, you said 2,000, that's why I use 2,000. Sure. Um, a lot of times people will sort of roll that for six months, so that would be 12,000. And at that point, that's just sitting in reserve. Any decision under $12,000, she then has the authority to make. That might be a way that we evolve this. Um, okay, yeah, I can see that. This decision yeah. making. Make, does that yeah. make sense? That's a good way to. That's a good so way to budget it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so then you're never getting surprised. There's always two thousand dollars in that yeah. budget, um, and then when you don't use it for six months, then you get that two thousand yeah. dollars back. Can you can drop that to the bottom line because that twelve thousand dollars is sitting. But when you use that, you're going to have to. If you use four thousand of that, then this month you're going to have to do a two thousand dollar in the budget. Next right. month you're going to have to do two thousand dollars in the budget. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. I like that. Rachel, I want to go back to revisit um, this conversation of you and the kitchen manager. Because Dave said there's a little bit of a friction. There's some butting of heads. I don't. Talk to me about how we can, what that is and how we can start to I don't that. necessarily think him and I butt heads a lot. Um, we have another manager that. I think that sometimes he comes off a little more aggressive than, than he means to. Um, and I think vice versa to the kitchen manner. Um, I think sometimes we have a small language barrier that can be a little frustrating for both of us. Um, but I think it's more just, I, I think he just views it as I run the front of house and he gets to run the back of house. Um, and I don't think he quite realizes that I, I, I kind of, and I'm watching everything he's doing in the back of house anyway. Um, but I mean, anytime there's, 
Anytime there's a problem that he needs assistance with, he always comes straight to me and asks me for help. We don't usually have much yep. of a butting heads issue with that. But if there's something that is like wrong and I need to address it, sometimes I feel like he thinks that I'm personally attacking him. And it's more, yeah. I need your help to help me solve this with the kitchen guys and not a, like, you did yeah. this wrong and, I, and you have to say, it's like, I try, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to go with it as a, how can you help me fix this problem? I need your help with it. Um, so I think that's been going a lot right. better, actually. Um, I don't think me and, and Dave have really touched base about this a lot lately, but it's, uh, I think between the language barrier and um, just the way that he's been able to just like do his own thing forever, I think we're just kind of running into that. Like, mm-hmm. I just need him to step up and actually like respect me i guess as i don't know it's it's kind of hard to explain um but i when i got seven shifts i showed it to him it's i showed it to him and i was like hey so i really want you to help me with this and i want you to start doing your schedule this way so that we can see all the numbers because i think if i it, it using your your words education and power i think if he if he gets to see it too then he'll work with me better on making sure that we're staying in our budget um, and he was really excited yeah. when I showed it to him. And so we're just we're moving past I, that. I, I find that I find that all the time. I find that people love they want to do a good job. Everybody, none of us show up to work. I, I mean, I think very few of us. There are certainly some, but I think most of us show up to job uh, show up to a job wanting to do to do mm-hmm. well. Um, I think we like learning. We're curious. We want to get better. Uh, I think we want to. I think that's I think that's true for for many many people. So Dave, you can also help this, um, and this is the forecasting and budgeting. It just takes all the emotion mm-hmm. out right. of it. So when you generate the forecast and you say this is how much revenue we're forecasting to do, and if we want to hit, you know, thirty percent cogs, and then you just divide cogs, you know, to food and 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 beverage, and then you split beverage, it just comes up with a bunch of numbers, and you just say this is it. This is how much you can spend. Yeah. This is how much, so for the front of the house, this is how much I need you to generate in revenue, meaning this is how much I need you to sell. And so then the back of the house, this is what you can spend. And when you do that, it just takes all the emotion out of it um, and then empowers them again to make decisions. So now on the cog side, well, though the price of something or other went up and now my cogs are going to be out of whack. Well, we got to source a new ingredient. We got to find a new vendor. We got to play with the portion size. We have to look at pricing. They're all tools available to them. And I think once they see that they have agency in these areas, it, it just changes the dynamic yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's definitely what Rachel said. It's, it's get, it was getting the kitchen manager and uh, just excited about it. Uh, and like what she did, I think it was great. When she told me, what she was like, I, I think Roelia should see the numbers. I'm like, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's show them the numbers and see. Rather than one of us saying, hey, you need to cut labor, you need to cut labor. Here's the computer. Here's yep. the program. I need it at this number. Do you guys... Yeah, do you guys do like uh, monthly budget meetings or like like books review? That Not kind of right now, no, but I would like to. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's another thing that I can leave you guys with. It's one of the best things that I ever uh, saw um, in some of the restaurants that I worked at, and it's something I stole uh, from a restaurant that I worked at and brought it to tons of restaurants that I went to open afterwards. If you can have your P&L by the 10th of the month, right, and you do a budget mm-hmm. meeting on the 15th, Meaning you've got your um, uh, your projections ready for the next month. Meaning, yeah. hey, let's look at the P and L from last month. 
So the best the uh, best restaurant that ever did this, it was a one-hour meeting. It was 30 minutes and 30 minutes. It was on the 15th every single month. And for the first half hour, you look at the P&L from the month before. You look at side-by-side side with the projections, you know, what you thought were going to happen. What did you do? Where did you get it right? Where did you get it wrong? Where were you off? What can we learn from that? Not in a finger-pointing way, yeah. but just in a what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And then we take that conversation for the second half hour, and we look at the projections for the next month. So I always say at the very, the, the very latest, the P&L's got to be ready by the 10th. Then if you have a, an initial pass projection sheet and budgets by the 15th, you can have that meeting. You can debate it. You can talk about it, see what, what's realistic, what's not. Everyone's going to have their feedback. You go back and you sort of retool it. You tweak it. And then it's ready by the 20th. And if you can do this absolute transparency with your team, especially your upper-level mm -hmm. management, and you say – this is what kind of revenue I need you to do because this is what kind of net income we need to see or EBITDA or however you sort of generate yeah. that operating profit. Um, and if we want to do this, everything in the middle, this is where we need labor, right? This is where we need salaries in front of house labor and back of house labor. And this is where we need our beverage. This is where we need our food cost, all of that. This is how we, where, how we have to be careful in kitchen supplies. This is, you know, our maintenance budget, all, all of that. If you can show all that. Um, it shows the framework I always use the football analogy, right? Like the head coach knows where everyone's going on a given play. But like the guard, the guard just knows I have to go block that guy to the left. Like, yeah. And that guy knows if I just do this, I will have succeeded. Because if all 11 guys do what they're supposed to do, the play will be a success. And so the same thing is true in restaurants. If You just show people what they need to do. All I need you to do is this. All I need you to do is this. And if you succeed at that, we will all succeed if everyone just kind of takes care of what they need to do. So if you can do that, if you can start implementing that, Dave, I think that will also help you to manage this from afar. Yeah, yeah that's great. Do you have a good like bookkeeper accountant that can get you P&Ls like, steadily by the oh, time? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Great. Uh, and not every restaurant does. So if you can get that every by the 10th, and then it'll be your responsibility, Dave. So one of the one of the things that we will need you to do is have your projections, even if you're just adding 10% to last year's number. You're going to use that to generate a lot of budgets mm -hmm. for back of house hourly, for front of house hourly, for your food ordering, for your wine ordering, beer ordering, spirits ordering. You'll use that to generate a bunch of different budgets. And you share that with them because you'll have that projection sheet will then kick out all of those all of those numbers and if you can share that on the 15th and sort of fine-tune it by the 20th then that thing is locked it's chiseled in stone and you sort of know what you need to do to succeed in the next uh, in the next month that's the play if everyone blocks left blocks right runs the route they're supposed to run we'll yeah. win we'll succeed make yeah. sense what other questions do you have about that what, what else do we need to talk about in as far as implementing this system? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think the monthly budget meetings and monthly meetings in general uh, need to start happening. So uh, I know I'm yep. not going to, I don't think I'm going to get any pushback from that from anybody. No, I'm insisting on it really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to, to leave these right to start giving a couple of action items, let's say Dave, I need you to start, you know, Getting that PL, sort of getting it to people mm -hmm. by the tenth, getting that the forecast and the requisite budgets 
by the 15th. Yeah. I would suggest doing a meeting on the 15th or as close to the 15th as you can, just because it's right smack in the middle of the, of the month, gives you a few days to get the final budget yeah. done by the 20th. So if you can do that, the 10th, the 15th, and the 20th, those are some key markers for you. And then I would figure out between you guys how you handle schedules being posted. But again, part of your budgets are saying this is how much revenue we're going to generate in the month. Therefore, this is how much we can spend on payroll. So we should know our weekly, you know, our weekly labor budget. And you need to get eyes on that before it goes out, before it gets posted. Yeah. So I would come up with a strict sort of I need this email by this date. I'll have 24 hours and give you, yes, a thumbs up or a thumbs down with some suggestions. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can definitely do that. I think those are a couple of easy things because labor is uh, easy to get out of control. Mm -hmm. And Dave, then it puts you in the driver's seat because you know, hey, I'd really like to hit 24% profit. Yeah. But I know in the shoulder season, uh, that's not possible because my labor is going to be high and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I'm not making the revenue, so the the percentage of rent, you know, rent takes up a deeper, uh, thick, uh, bigger percentage in the budget. So you got to figure out, okay, we're not going to hit 24. It's probably only going to be 12 or 14 because of all these extra points that are in. But you have to dictate that. Um, and then again, you're giving them the parameters to succeed. If you just do this, I will be very happy. Makes sense. Yeah, Makes sense. Definitely. Cool. What else, Rachel? What else do you have? What other concerns or what other things should we be... What other support can Dave provide you from a distance so that you don't have to keep nagging him so you can just sort of do what you need to um, do? I think just starting with the meetings and, and giving me specific goals and targets to reach I think is going to be a huge help. Um, that's I think yeah, that's I, really where we need to go. Yeah, I definitely haven't yep. been ever... I mean, I've never had a goal in mind because I've, I've actually, I mean, I hate to say it, I wouldn't say coasted, but over the last 10 years, I've been blessed with that 10% just going up and up every year that, and I'm like, and then yep. we're always playing catch up with all these things, cost of goods and food. So I'm like, oh, we sold a, a lot. So we just need to add more people. We need to add more food. Yeah. And then now it's finally to the point of, okay, I can't add any more people because I'm not getting that much busier. <laughs> like, I don't. So yep. I need to start figuring out the it's budget. It's the same system. It's the same system that you need if you want to step away as if you want to sell, as if you want to expand and grow. And it's the same thing. What we're just trying to get is consistent, predictable profit and understanding what that is. And when you put a system into place, you can do anything. Then you can open up a new place and open up the new place even easier. You can open up a new place from afar if you want to open another place yeah. in Utah. You know, you, you can do that because you've got the benchmarks, you've got the systems in place um, that they know, hey, if I do this, I will succeed. I will have I will have made a profitable restaurant. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's great. Um, anything else you guys at this point? I mean, those are, I think, some key things that you that I would put into practice. No, that's a great and, start. Um, I, I always say and then and then report back. I mean, the beauty of so when we do coaching, it's like. We always finish and say, Here's your, here are your action items. You're going to do the following things. I'd usually put a deadline. Uh, I'm going to let you guys put the deadline in it since this is a little mm -hmm. bit yeah. different. But give yourselves a deadline. And then, again, put those dates in there of like when we revisit it. Um, when we actively sit down and spend 15 minutes to say what's working, what's not working, it's super important. Um, anytime a, a restaurant is growing, anytime we're sort of changing what we, what we normally do. But, yeah, and you're right. I think 
the fact that you've been lucky that you've been coasting for as long as you have and been doing it profitably um i think it's really good of you to sort of observe the fact that that won't necessarily always always continue uh, unless we're deliberate about it yeah listen um, i appreciate you guys taking the time hopefully this was helpful um dave i'm gonna let you uh sound off real quick um tell everybody where they can learn more about it because i don't know maybe there are people who are who vacation in Park City and they want to go find it. So to, where can people go to learn more about uh, your two places? Uh, you can always Google Collie's Barbecue or just Collie'sBBQ.com. We're there uh, right across the street from the ski lift. So coming on and ski with us or bike with us in the summer. We'd love to have you. Excellent. Uh, Rachel, any last, uh, any last words of wisdom uh, as you've gone through this? And there are a lot of people listening who have, I'm sure, gone through a similar trajectory uh, any sort of advice or insights you'd give having gone um, through this? I think just always being open to more education is going to be huge. Um, it, you know, if you if you don't if you know you if you think you know everything, then you've already failed. So just you need to just keep your open mind and keep moving forward and evolve because that's essentially what the restaurant industry is doing. It's always evolving. So if you don't if you don't adapt, you've already failed. So. Hundred percent. If you're the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. you're in the wrong room, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Listen, guys, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you uh, being willing to come on here. I know it's uh, sort of a uh, strange thing to do, um, but ultimately, I hope we helped you guys, uh, and I'm sure the listeners listening uh, got some value from this. So I appreciate all you guys being here. Thank you for taking time to uh, to share. Absolutely. Your story with no, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Rachel and Dave for taking time out of their day to chat with me for sharing their story. I know it's not easy to ask for help, certainly not easy to do so in such a public uh, space. Uh, I know they got uh, I know they got value out of this conversation. I hope you got value out of this conversation. Again, I want to remind you that I run the P3 Mastermind program. I gather uh, restaurant owners from all over the world together for two hours every single week. The program works. The profits are real. The impact we're making is real. If you want to uh, learn more about to get started by visiting restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Schedule a free 30-minute strategy session and uh, we'd love to tell you more about the program. We'd love to hear more about what's going on with you. Thank you for taking time out of your day for making time in your week for this show. I really appreciate it. Thank you and I will see you next time.